You're listening to audio from Calvary Gravenhurst in Muskoka, Ontario. For more resources or to connect with someone in the church, please visit calvarygravenhurst.com. This week's sermon is taught by lead pastor Benjamin Emery. Good morning. If you're visiting, it's great to have you with us. My name is Benjamin, and it's great to have the guides and scouts with us. We are honored to have you in our presence, and we hope that you're blessed by today. You can pick up a Bible and turn to 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 1. And if you don't own a Bible, there's one in the seat in front of you, or if you're in the front row behind you, and we want you to take that as our gift to you. We don't want anyone to not have a copy of God's word, so just take it and leave with it. Today's sermon is called Live Intentionally. We've been doing a series on the life of King David for the last three months. We've only got one more message after this. And we're just going to go through one verse today and really focus in on the reality of it. You'll see in your bulletins in the middle, there's some uh, places for you to make notes or some questions I'll uh, hope that you'll go away and wrestle with. There's some fill-in-the-blanks as well, so I encourage you to take notes. 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 1. Now King David was old and advanced in age. Although they covered him with bedclothes, he could not get warm. Well, God, I thank you so much uh, that you give us life. Each day is a gift, Lord. I pray for each and every one of us that we would reflect upon uh, how brief life is. We would think about what we're doing with our lives and we would think about eternity. I thank you for each person in here. They matter. You created them. I pray you would help me, a simple man, help my voice to hold out as I'm recovering from a cold, Lord, to preach your great truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I can tell you this, young people, that life is going to fly by. I think some people in here could say, yeah, the years have just flown by, haven't they? You know, one of the earliest memories I can uh, remember was when I was probably somewhere between one and two, and I was in the high chair, and I can rem- picture my mom uh, preparing uh, food, cutting up something, and there's food on my pl- uh, high chair plate, and the dog had a little lasso up, so I was running around it, <coughs> and I thought it was really cool to take the food that I didn't want to eat and throw it down and then watch the dog eat it while my mom's back was turned. I was a little troublemaker even at one. I can remember when I was 12 and my mom took me on my first adventure and really got me hooked on adventures. Uh, We were in Cuba and we were uh, going in these bat caves and that was back in the 90s when you could do stuff like that. And there was like literally tens of thousands of bats. All we had was a flashlight. It was pitch black. We had to go through the water. And so you're swimming at points and points you have to duck underneath uh, to get into the next cavern. Uh, And people are screaming because they had no idea what they were getting in for. And I just was like, this is amazing. This is great. And it got, really got me hooked on adventures. I can remember when I was 24 uh, and driving through the streets of Kabul and a part of a UN convoy and uh, the, 
the convoy in front of us got hit with a suicide bomber and we were just trying to keep our vehicles as tightly together going 80 through one of the biggest city in Afghanistan and with the really reality that wow at any second I can die I can remember when I met my wife at age 31 and I, I saw her for the first time in a little coffee shop in Elmira surrounded by Mennonites I was like that's the one that's the woman I can remember when each of my four children were little babies and I could pick them up as, as there was a lot of babies in our first service and, and just pick them up with one hand and reflect on the, just how beautifully made they are. I can even remember about eight years ago when I came to Calvary. It's, it's hard to believe it's been almost eight years. And I had a lot of hair back then, a lot more than I have now. And you know, it's amazing. It's like this is always happening. <sighs> It just keeps falling out ever since I came here. I'm not sure what exactly is going on. <clears throat> Time flies, doesn't it? Time is fragile. Psalm 144 verse 4 says, Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. We're reflecting on David, and we've been going through his life. And we can remember, uh, if you remember, a couple months ago when we were at David's life when he was just a young Teen, 10, 12, 13 years old. He's a young shepherd boy living in the wilderness. It's where he learned to depend on God. It's where he learned to, to fight uh, when he'd see the wolves are under attack by the, or the sheep are under attack by the wolves. He would spring into action, young and full of vigor. And he'd, he'd spring into action, and that's where he really learned to be a warrior. He would beat off the wolves and protect the sheep. But where we're facing seeing David now, he's not that young man anymore. That vigor has passed. We looked at when he was a young teenager. And everyone was afraid of the Philistine giant. Everyone shrank in his presence. And David said, when he heard what the Philistine was saying. You come against me with the sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of the ranks of Israel. And he did it much better than I did, and he took that sling, and as that Goliath was coming towards him, he unleashed it, and by faith, that rock hit that giant, and he was no more. But he's not a young man anymore. He's no longer got the sling. I can remember, if you remember when he was a king. He was a king in his 30s and 40s, and he wasn't like leaders today. He didn't lead from the rear. He led from the front. He led his troops. He was a mighty man of God, a mighty man of valor. Remember when he stood in the field against the Philistines outnumbered and everyone ran away? And he stood there and fought. He was quite the man. But he's not that man anymore. Those days have passed. He's not the king he once was. We see him now at age 70. The years have taken their toll. He's no longer the young man. He's not a middle-aged king anymore. There's no more parades through the streets of Jerusalem. 
He's no longer dressed in his knightly outfits, his king outfits, the banquets and entertaining political visitors. We find him now a bedridden man. A man whose circulation, it seems, has deteriorated to the point where he can't even stay warm. He lives in his pajamas in the daytime. Not the king that we think of. David, the greatest king in Israel's history, next to Jesus, is nearing the end of his life. And with him, the end of an era. The kingdom will never be as great as it is under David. Someday it will be greater under Jesus. And I picture him laying there. The kingdom outside is still bustling. He's in Jerusalem. And there's no glass on the windows, so he could hear everything. He can hear the people going about the markets. He can hear the animals taken to be sacrificed. He can smell the smells of the good food that he used to enjoy. He can feel the evening breeze that he used to feel as he'd walk along his patio on the second floor. People are still coming to see him. He's still the king. He still needs to give royal approvals. But now the servants have to prop him up on pillows so he can see who he's talking to. And I wonder if they looked at him in pity, thinking, oh, what a great king he once was. Now he's laying there in bed. They're at the busiest part of their lives, and when you're at the busiest part of your lives, you never think you're going to become an old person laying in a bed. It's not really something you think that can happen. I picture the guards standing outside of his door telling stories. Did you hear about David? Third years ago, when, when he and the mighty men, they, they fought against the Philistines and the Ammonites, I heard he was a legend. He was unbeatable. Yeah, but look at him now. See, David has come to the place where we will all come to. That place when we realize that our lives are coming to the end. David now faces the inevitability that each one of us will face. 120 years from now, not a single one of us will be alive. That is the reality. If this building is still here, it will be filled with completely different people. Life is brief. And then so the question is, if life is brief, which we know, how then shall we live? And you know what the answer I tell you is? is probably the same answer that David would tell us if we could talk to him laying on his bed at the last period of his life. He would say, live with intention. Don't waste your life. Live each day to the fullest. Live with purpose. Live with passion. Remembering that each day is a gift. You know, you were created, each one of you, you're not an accident. We didn't evolve from some ooze. You were created with a purpose. And each day that God has given you is a gift from him to you to live with intention. Young people, uh, I can remember when I was your age, and before you know it, you're going to be in your 20s. 
And you're going to be in the prime of your life and everything is going to feel great and, and you can, you'll feel invincible. And then people in your 20s, before you know it, you'll be like me in my 40s. Where all the things you did in your 20s that you thought would never hurt start to catch up as that will catch up with me later on. And you're in the busiest part of your life and, and you think, oh, will I ever get any rest? But before we know it, the busiest period of our life is over and now we're into our senior years. And those in their senior years, before you know it, the reality is you will be facing the same period that David was. Psalm 90 verse 10 says, Moses says, our lives last 70 years, or if we're strong, 80. I've traveled the world and been to many different places, and I can tell you that no place is as terrified of death as people in the West. We are absolutely terrified of the prospect of dying. And I think a lot of it has been due to the fact that we've been told or generations have been told there is nothing after life. There's only blackness. There's only darkness because we just evolved from nothing. And even Christians who have the hope of the gospel are afraid to leave this earth as if this was the greatest thing and eternity was a lesser thing. But one of the best things that we can do in our lives is to embrace our mortality, to embrace the reality that we will die. And I think when we embrace that, we can truly start to live intentionally, that each day has a purpose. Each day is a gift. And so many people miss out on life because they're trying to protect the days. They, they shut themselves away in houses. They live life through TVs and cell phones when there's so much life to be lived out here. They focus on what they used to have and how great life used to be or, or they're so sad that life didn't work out the way they had hoped it. And in all of this, they waste the days they've been given. So living intentionally means going after the now, the here, the day, spiritually speaking, relationally speaking, mentally speaking, physically speaking, to not be afraid of death, but to live with the reality that God has already determined the day and the second that you will leave this earth. When you can embrace that, it gives you a freedom, a freedom to live. So how do we do it? By numbering our days. Moses goes on in Psalm 90 verse 12 to say, teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. See, when a person numbers their days, and I've, I've given you a space to number your days in the bulletin, they zoom out from just the day-to-day -day grind and they take a, a look at their life in perspective. You know, the average man uh, in Canada will live to be 80. So I'm 42 years old and eight months. So if I was to live to the average age, I have 37 years and four months left. That's 13,651 days. But if I take eight hours, and we all know I don't sleep eight hours, uh, that would be such a gift. But if I was to take eight hours a day of sleeping out of that, I would have 9,100 days left. Less than 10,000 days to be awake and alive on this earth. That really puts life into perspective. So it begs the question then, well, what am I going to do with this time that I have left? 
Well, Moses doesn't just say number your days. Oh, that's interesting and move on. He says do it carefully, carefully, so as not to waste those days, to live with intention because every day is a gift. And we can't get it back. We will never get those days back. So what do we do with our lives? Well, I put some questions here that you should be asking as you take a look at your life, who am I going to spend the time with? You only have so long to spend that time with people. I only have so long with my wife, only so long with my children, so long with you. And each day I need to live intentionally and love those people in my life. You, you can't waste your lives with people that are just going to waste your time. Time is too precious. Invest it in people that really desire it. What am I going to accomplish? You know, I look at my life and, and I'm over halfway done. I want to accomplish some things for the Lord, not for my glory, but I really want to live the best that I can for God with the time that he's given me. And he's given me gifts, he's given me time and treasure, and I want to use that for him. What are you using your life to accomplish? What are you using your time for? You're not just here to exist. So many people, they just exist. They, they breathe air, they eat food, they go to bed, they repeat, but without much purpose. What are you going to say to people? What are you going to speak into people's lives? One of the, the great tragedies of, uh, that I run into when people are dying is they, they have so much regret about things they wish they'd said to people. And, and true, when I'm with the families who are grieving after they've lost somebody, they say, I wish I had told this person that. I wish they had told me this. I wish I had forgiven them. You have today to tell the people in your life that you love them, that you forgive them that they are cared for, that they have a hope in Christ. What are you going to experience and see? We're so glued to our, our phones and our TVs that we miss this beautiful world God has given us. There is so much to experience in this world. Don't waste those days in front of a screen. And what are we fighting for? There are Millions of people out there with no one to intervene for them. Little children and, and women and men in other countries that have nobody. In our country, there's many of them. And they need somebody to fight for them. And, and is anyone fighting for them? Or are we just fighting for ourselves? Are we giving in to the culture? It's all about you. Just do whatever is good for you. And what are you investing in? We all have time, talents, and treasures. And we need to invest that. And not just live for us, not just stockpile more and more for us to leave to, to whoever we want. No, to invest into the things that matter. You know, David, we've looked at, he really messed up in, in quite a few areas. Uh, but in the last period of his life, in the last couple of months, the last uh, sort of public address he does to the leaders, he, he prays for them in Second, First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14, coming to the tail end of the prayer. He's, he's just given a whole bunch of his personal assets to build the, the temple for the next generation to worship God in. And then he comes, he's praised to them, he says, but who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? For everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. 
For we are all aliens and temporary residents in your presence, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow, without hope. O Lord our God, all this wealth that you have provided for the building of a house for your holy name comes from your hand. Everything belongs to you. Do you look at life like that? That everything you've been given, your skills, your treasures, your time has been given to you by God. How are you investing? Now, these are some questions as you number your days carefully you need to ask. You know, it's, it's amazing that 950 some odd years later, um, a man named Matthew, uh, writing the book of Acts, would write this about David's life in chapter 13, verse 36. For David, after serving God's purpose in his own generation, fell asleep and was buried with his fathers. That's quite a statement. For David, after serving God's purpose in his own generation, fell asleep. Uh, he wasn't worried about and saying, I wish I lived in the time of judges, or, or it's going to be so much better when Solomon's uh, king. No, no, in his own generation, he served God's purposes. And so I've left a place for you in your bulletins. And I've taken out a few uh, words there. Instead of David, I put for blank, and it's where you can put your name. For Ben. For Jack. For Jeanette. For Janet. Fill in your name. And then after I've left out one other word, I've taken God out. And I've asked you the question, after serving blank, whose purpose? Whose purposes do you serve in your life? We all have to look after ourselves. That's understandable. But in the overall, is your life about you? Is it about serving your own purposes? Or is it about God's purposes and blessing other people? That's a question because personally, I don't care how much money I have. I don't care if, if anyone ever hears my name. I don't need to be a famous preacher. But what I do hope is that my children and my grandchildren and the people who really knew me can say, for Ben, after serving God's purposes in his own generation, fell asleep and he's with God now. That's what I hope. And that's what I hope for you. Because I believe that each one of you were made with a purpose, that you're alive right now for a reason, that you are not an evolutionary accident, that you were made with precision, and that God has things for you to do in this world, special things, things that only you can do, unique things. And one of the greatest tragedies, I think, in Christian lives is that many men and women uh, never, they live and die without ever knowing the purposes God has for them in their life. You have to believe that God has a reason for you to be alive. And when you believe it and you embrace it and you go after it intentionally, God will show you. I'm a living example that I was about as useless and a burden on society and my family, completely lost, only ever thinking about myself. And then I cried out to God and he pulled me out of the miserable hole that I lived in and he gave me a purpose to live. And if he can give me a purpose to live, he can give you a purpose for your lives doesn't mean you're going to be rich or famous or on Hollywood parties. But you will be rich and you, you will be famous in heaven. But we have to live with purpose. We have to get busy living. There's a movie uh, that I watched when I was a young teen called uh, The Shawshank Redemption, a really good movie. And it's about a, about a guy who's uh, 
wrongfully accused and, and convicted of uh, killing his wife and he's in prison serving a sentence and he's there a couple decades and for something he didn't do. Uh, Tim Robbins plays the character. The other main character is Morgan Freeman. He did commit those crimes when he was a teenager. Now he's in his 50s and, and they're sitting in the, the courtyard of the prison and and they're, they're talking about all the wasted time. And Morgan Freeman goes on to say, if only I could go back and I could tell that young man, don't do it. Don't waste your life. And Tim Robbins says, I've wasted so much time for something I didn't do. And, if, and for all my sins, I've paid it in twice that. And then he says these words that, that I remembered all my life. He says, I'm going to get out of here. And Morgan Freeman says, you're never getting out of here. And he says, it's time to get busy living or get busy dying. Get busy living or get busy dying. And the reality is that we're all getting busy dying. So we don't need to get onto that because we're all wasting. Uh, these bodies are going. But what we can do is get busy living now for something eternal intentionally. So how shall we live was the first question with intention. So the next question then is, is there hope after this life? Can we really hope that when we close our eyes, as David soon would, that it won't just be black, that there is something after this? Well, if you believe in the theory of evolution, then there is no hope, there is no heaven, there is no right, there is no God, there's nothing. But I don't believe that. I look around at each one of you and I see a soul looking at me behind those eyes of yours. I see someone too complex and too wonderfully made to just be an accident. And David didn't think that either. He said that when his baby son died, he said, can I bring him back again? No, but I'll go to him, but he will never return to me. Uh, David understood that the body of that baby had died, but the soul of that baby had went to be with God. And that's where I believe all babies and children go when they die. Uh, but David had a problem. That's the same problem you and I have. Isaiah lays it out pretty clearly in Isaiah 59 verse 2. But your iniquities are separating you from your God, and your sins have hidden your face from him so that he does not listen when I was a troubled young man in my teens and 20s, uh, broken and lost, I tried everything that this world had to offer. It said, do this, and I did it, and I was empty. And this hole inside of me just kept getting bigger. I traveled the world looking for answers and couldn't find them. I experienced almost about everything that you can that this world has to offer, and still the weight of my sin and my failures mounted up. It was like a chain that I could look back and, and see was just there and I couldn't get rid of it no matter how hard I tried. It just weighed down on me until I came to the point uh, that life on this earth without any hope seemed like not worth living. And then somebody gave me a Bible when I was going overseas again and I, and I read it and I read the words of Jesus Christ and, and then a year later in my basement I cried out to him that he would save me. I came to the end of myself and it was like magic. It's like something just released from me. It just dropped off and I wasn't perfect 
But it's like this relief that God actually loved me, that regardless of the things that I had done in the past, God actually loved me and desired to save me. And that just blew my mind. That took the weight off my shoulders. That gave me a new purpose because I knew I was connected to God. It gives me hope now, as it did, that the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from our sin. I am not defined by who I used to be or by my present failures, which I fail. (laughs) I'm a class A failure. I mess up. God, by his grace, forgives me. And that as my outward body dies, as this body gets older, I have a hope The same hope that Paul had in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. He talks about it. He says, therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing in us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. We do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So the question is, what are we waiting for? Today is the day we have. Today is the day you have to embrace that God so loved you, he died for you. To claim you as his own, to give you a reason for living. Proverbs 27 verse 1 reminds us, we don't have tomorrow, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what the day may bring. But we have today. You have today. And that's a great and awesome gift. I want to finish for you uh, what Matthew had written in Acts 13, 36. I'll read it again. For David, after serving God's purpose in his own generation, fell asleep and was buried with his fathers and decayed. Uh, But the one God raised up did not decay. Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers and sisters, that through this man forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you now. That is our hope. That is our hope for the present. That is our hope for the future. And I hope you have that hope. It's never too late. It's never too late. Because the king of heaven wants you. That's an amazing thing to understand that God doesn't need you, but he wants you. He purchased you. And I hope you have that, little ones. That you remember that all your lives. Because it gives you freedom. Seniors, it can give you freedom to live the rest of your life not in fear but with purpose and with intention. It lets you free to run the race. I'm free. I'm free from the grip of of what everyone thinks I should do to want to do what God wants me to do. And someday when this body wastes away, when I can't run around anymore, when the vigor of life leaves me, I have the same hope David did that my Redeemer does live. That although you'll never see me again, I'll just be another face on the back wall where all the pastors who have died and gone before is. But you can come see me where I'm going. Because I'll be with Jesus. With anyone who has ever put their faith in him. All the ragamuffins, uh, the nobodies that called on the name of Jesus. That's where I'll be. And you may say, oh, he's just holding on to a crutch. And I would say to you, yes, I am with everything that I have. He is my crutch. He is my life. He is the only reason I am who I am. And he can be a great crutch for you in this world. And he will bring you to the end.
And if I'm wrong, then I'm a madman. I simply believe that God lives inside of me and deserve to be locked away. But if I'm telling the truth, it's the greatest news you've ever heard in your entire life that God is real and he loves you and he wants to know you and for you to know him. Have you embraced that truth? Christians, are you living with intention? Are you living each day to the fullest? If you're not a Christian, I don't want you to walk out of here not knowing that Christ loves you and that he will make you his son or his daughter today. All you have to do is humble yourself and receive his forgiveness and cry out to him. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and close us in a prayer. God, I thank you so much that I have hope, that we have hope, that when we sit someday or lay in David's bed and when we are at the end of our lives, we can have hope for the future. I pray that each one in here, Lord, would know that, would have that confidence, that have that faith in you, not by their own works, but by the gift you've given us, that we would each live our lives with intention, with intentionality, not wasting the days on frivolous things, but investing in the things that matter. Thank you so much for each person in here. They do matter. I pray that they would know that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon audio. For more resources or to connect with us, visit calvarygravenhurst.com.